seven, Stan Good morning, Met fans. How you doing? Happy Super Bowl weekend. Getting ready for the big game. Who you like? I'm tossing and turning here. Everyone seems to like Cincinnati, but that's an emotional thing. But uh, for some reason, uh, my gut tells me the Rams are going to win it. So if I were you, I would put all your money on Cincinnati then if I'm picking the Rams. But anyway, I just think the Rams built their team to win it this year. Uh, offense is solid, defense is solid, and I think they'll do whatever it takes to win. Just my opinion. But I'm hoping that as soon as the Super Bowl is over, we're talking spring training, we're talking exhibition games, preseason games, whatever you want to call them. We're talking about the countdown to opening day. And uh, I'm psyched. I think it's going to get done sooner rather than later. So let's hope for the best. Manfred put all his cards on the table. He's saying it's a great deal, great deal. That could be a PR stunt. Uh, but it looked like it was pretty reasonable to what the players wanted. I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars here. How much more money does either side really need? So hopefully uh, common sense prevails because if you don't have the games, no one's going to be making the money. That being said, one of the terms of the agreement that has been almost, well, you can't say it's ratified, solidified, whatever it is, but it seems both parties have agreed on the DH. So Met fans, gear up for the DH. Now it'll be interesting to see how Buckshaw Walther handles the DH role. Uh, even when I've been reading about this, and even when he had guys like Nelson Cruz and Danny Tartable, he refused to use their offense stop first profile strictly as designated hitters. For example, in 2011, Show Walter's first full season with the Orioles coincided with the final campaign of Vladimir Guerrero's career. By then, the future Hall of Famer was 36 and his legs were pretty much shot. He was the third highest paid player on a last place team. So he received 137 exclusively DH starts, though his skills had decayed. And when I read that, I'm thinking Robinson Cano may be in that same boat. Uh, now in 2017, Mark Strumbo Trumbo, I should say, started hunting games at DH after signing a three-year, $37.5 million extension with Baltimore. But even then, still, uh, Showalter gave Trumbo 33 starts in the field. And to me, there's nothing wrong with putting these guys out in the field every now and then. keeps them refreshed, and they get, it gives them something, I don't know, exciting to look forward to, where it's not the same humdrum. You know, you're just getting up four at-bats, basically sitting in the dugout. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but like I said, it looks like MLB has agreed to the union's desire for universal DH. So when the collective bargaining agreement is finally reached, the day of the pitcher hitting will be completely gone. Now I'm old school, I always like the National League, I like the strategy involved, but let's face it, the game has changed. And even Harry Rose pointed out, how many times does a starting pitcher get up in the game anyway? Twice? Because they barely pitch six innings now. Uh... They really don't learn how to bunt. They really don't learn how to hit in the minor leagues. Uh, 
Injuries happen all the time. DeGrom says he hurt himself last year batting. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think, and again, I'm going to put all my faith in Robinson, that Robinson can know if I'm Showalter and just give him 50 games or so to see what he can do. Uh, and again, the beautiful thing about the DH is you can occasionally take a regular, such as Lindor, Nimmo, Marte, Alonzo, off the field, keep their bodies rested while keeping their bat in the lineup. Although in seven years in Baltimore, uh, it should be noted, Showalter never started his biggest star in Manny Machado once at DH. So this may be something he normally doesn't do. Now the Mets could enlist another bat from outside before the season or before the July 31st trade. Uh, for example, the Mets could sign a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who's basically a born to hit, not really a great fielder. But I have a feeling that they're not going to hit another bat in the beginning of the season, like I said. To me, it's Cano. They owe him $40.5 million over the two years, and you might as well see what he has. Uh, you're not going to do too much damage if he only bats in the low 200s the first couple months. Don't forget how bad the team was batting last year, the first couple months of the year. You just basically had Nimmo and J.D. Davis carrying the team, and everyone else was kind of slumping. But I guess the Mets would have would have liked to have seen Cano with as many exhibition at bats uh, as possible to continue to knock off the rust and see if the bat speed is still there. After all, he is 39 years old. Uh, Yadier Molina is the only older position player currently on a 40-man roster. Although, yeah, Captain Obvious is telling you Nelly Cruz will probably sign before the lockout concludes. Now, Cano has a lot of defenders, and I'm one of them. One evaluator said he believes... Cano's gifted hands and high baseball intellect will allow him to continue to hit at a strong level. The shortened 2020 campaign, Cano hit 316 with an 896 OPS. But much of that was artificially inflated by illegal enhancers that, in theory, Cano will not be taking in 2022. So I'm not sure if that's a good sample to go by. But in the past, Showalter has always liked veterans. Now, let's face it, Cano's defense was already slipping, so his days as an everyday second baseman are likely gone. Could he get 75 games at DH and 75 at second? I don't think they're going to put him at second. I think the ideal thing to do is McNeil was starting to learn play well with uh, Francisco Lindor at second base. I'd stick with that formula, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think McNeil's an outfielder. Hopefully we keep him. I think he's too good a bat. I still say there was something wrong with him last year that we just don't know about, maybe an injury or whatever. Now, Pete Alonso uh, and Dominic Smith are uh, possible candidates. Uh, let's not forget, Smith was one of the best hitters in 2020 in that shortened season, but one of the worst in 2021. Now, in 2020, the NL used the DH in the shortened season. Smith got to play more regularly, and he hit. With the comfort of, nat of the natural position bringing back similar production, would Alonzo be comfortable DHing, say, 40, 50 games as Smith is back? Bat is back. Uh, but I don't think you mess around with Alonzo. He's here to stay. Uh, we're just going to have to work something out with Dominic Smith. Uh, I would continue to put him out in left field, first base DH. And usually teams find at bats for productive players. So to get him in the lineup probably won't be that difficult. 
But here's another catch-22. You got J.D. Davis, who I loved. I loved, and I still do, his hitting ability. In the past three years, J.D. has had a higher OPS plus over a lot of people. Even J.D. Martinez, who had a 125, and J, uh, J.D. had a uh, 128 uh, in the same time frame. He's not been a, a full-time player, but he is a good hitter, good enough that the Mets have been trying to get his glove around the diamond to get his bat into the lineup. So DH role would fill would be perfect for him too. So a lot of options here. Now they you could they could use his bat as much as they want without putting Davis in the field. But part of this exercise has to do with whether the Mets be using Davis, Smith, and McNeil to try to land another pitching or deepen their prospect base. So uh, maybe count our chickens before they hatch here. We'll see. If Davis is traded, Mark Vientos could become a DH factor at some point, though a shortened spring also would hurt a new add to the 40-man roster like getting him a lot of eyeball time with the Major League staff. Now, Davis might not have the power to justify being a regular DH, but there is enough of bat here that he could get 20 to 30 games, assuming he is still a Met. So, Cano, Alonzo, Davis... You have a lot of options there. Like I said, it could be a multi-DH platoon here, but we'll see. But my first choice is Cano, Alonzo at first, McNeil at second, uh, J.D. Davis is very pluggable in a lot of positions, and so is Dominic Smith. And I'm sure during, of course, 162 games is a lot of games. Let's not forget that. So these players can go out there and... Uh, fill in another position and still get their 200 to 400 at-bats. Now today in mid-history, we have a lot of birthdays to celebrate. First one is Francisco Estrada, 1948. Second one is Lonnie Randall, 1949. Ruben Amaro, 1965. Dennis Springer, 1965. Tim Redding, 1978. Todd Frazier, 1986. And we'll give you little profiles and all of them in just a second. Let's go over some Met transactions on this date. Uh, on this date in 1987, Baltimore signed Ray Knight as a free agent. On this date in 1992, Montreal signed Rick Cerrone from the Mets as a free agent. Now, on this date in 2004, the Mets signed free agent James Baldwin. And on this date in 2008, the Mets signed free agent Chris Aguilar. On this date in 2018, the Mets sold Matt Reynolds to the Nationals. And on this date in 2021, the Mets sold Ali Sanchez to the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, the first birthday we want to acknowledge is Francisco Estrada. His full name was Francisco Paquin Estrada Soto. And he was a major league player for the Mets. Yes, he was. He was a catcher, appeared in one game for the Mets in 71. And... He actually was acquired by the Tidewater Tides by the Mets AAA outfielder, affiliate, I should say, from Diablo Rojas del Mexico for Orlando McFarlane on 1970. Uh, unfortunately, Francisco has passed away. He passed away in 2019. At the time of his death, he was the manager of the, I don't know how you pronounce this now, Chihuahua Dorados in the Mexican League summer and a catcher's coach with the Kuakan Tomateros in the Mexican Pacific League during the winter. And he served as manager of the Mexico National Baseball Team for the World Baseball Classic. 
Now, also celebrating a birthday today is one of my favorite players as a teenager. I mean, the Mets were bad there, but he always brought a smile to my face. Lenny Randall. Now, Lenny was a first-round pick of the Washington Senators in the secondary phase of the June 1970 Major League Draft. So he was 10th overall in that. Uh, he was quite an athlete. He was captain of both his baseball and football teams at Centennial High School in Los Angeles. And he was drafted by the Cardinals in the 67 draft as originally, but chose to attend Arizona State. Now, Ola playing football and second base for the 69 championship Arizona State Sun Devils baseball team. He also did well in school. He graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree. But in 1977, during spring training, Bump Wills earned the starting second base job over Randall. On March 28th, the Rangers were in Orlando for an exhibition game with the Minnesota Twins. During batting practice, an hour before the first pitch, Randall approached manager Franco Casey, Rangers manager Franco Casey. Words were exchanged, and Randall punched Casey in the face three times before the altercation was stopped by bystanders. Bystanders. Casey was hospitalized for, for a week, so Lenny really give him a licking there. He needed plastic surgery to repair his fractured cheekbone, which Randall had broken in three places. He also received bruises to his kidney and back. The Rangers suspended Randall for 30 days without pay and fined him $10,000. On April 26th, before the suspension was complete, Texas traded him to the Mets for cash and a player to be named later. Texas later received Rick Auerbach. Randall was charged with assault and pleaded no contest to battery charges in a Florida court receiving a 1,050 fine. The Tigers fired Lucchese on June 21st. Lucchese blamed Randall for the firing and sued him for $200,000. Now, Randall began his tenure with the Mets playing second base. Who remembers that? With opening day third baseman Roy Stager batting only 236 with one home run, eight runs batted in, Randall was shifted to third base, the position we're familiar with when he playing by Joe Torrey when he replaced Joe Frazier as manager of the team. Now, Randall ended an extra inning marathon with the Expos on July 9th in 17 innings with a walk-off home run off Will McEnany. Four days later, he was at bat for the Mets when the power went out at Chase Stadium. That's one of those trivia questions he's most famous for. Who was at bat for the Mets when the New York City blackout of 1977 began? Now, for the season, Randall batted 304, stole 33 bases, and scored 78 runs for the last place Mets. Now, unfortunately, his stats fell off considerably in 78 when he batted 233 with 14 stolen bases and 53 runs. Now, the Mets released Randall during spring training in 79. Shortly afterwards, he signed with the Giants and was assigned to their AAA Pacific Coast team. So... There you go. And another thing he's most famous for, not with the Mets though, was when the Kansas City Royals visiting the Kingdome on May 27, 1981. Royals center fielder Amos Otis hit a slow roller down the third base line in the sixth inning. Randall got down on his knees and blew the ball foul. The umpires disallowed, disallowed his action and ruled it fair. Afterwards, Randall said that there was a no-blow rule in, in, implemented. He jokingly said they won the game, we won the protest. Also celebrating a birthday day, Ruben Amato Jr. Yes, it wasn't that long ago, Ruben was the first base coach for the Mets in 2018. And when I read that today, I'm thinking, hey, 
We should do a show on all the Mets first base coaches through the year. It's been quite a cast of characters, and I'm keeping that on the back burner. But yes, Ruben Amaro, uh, once a Met, always a Met, was our first base coach in 2018. Now, also celebrating a birthday today, legendary Met, Dennis Springer. Uh, yes, yes, this is something our good friend Harvey Porras would like to pour over. He pitched two games, get it pour over, Porras. Harvey, if you're listening, don't mind me. I need to be put away. Uh, Dennis pitched two games, 11.1 innings, 20 hits, with an ERA of 8.74. That's his claim to fame with the Mets. So, but nonetheless, once a Met, always a Met. Uh, uh, but here's a little tidbit, tidbit for you. Uh, he Well, he's one before I'll go into the big one. He's most remembered for his use of the knuckleball. As a member of the Dodgers, Springer surrendered Barry Bonds' major league record setting 73rd home run on October 7, 2001. The homer came off a 3-2 pitch clocked at 43 miles per hour knuckleball bombing the first inning of Los Angeles' 2-1 loss to the Giants. Now, in his career, he had a 24-48 record with a 5.18 ERA in 655 and a third innings pitch. He had four shutouts, including two with the Mariners in 1999. Now, also celebrating a birthday today, the Todd father. Yes, on February 7, 2018, the Mets signed Todd Frazier to a two-year, $16 million contract. And on May 3rd, 2018, who remembers this? Frazier claimed that umpires were doing a worse job of calling balls and strikes in 2018 than in the previous season and asked for a meeting with MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred to discuss his frustration. It's rubbing everybody the wrong way, Frazier said. You have to be better than that. MLB had no comment on Frazier's remarks. Got a hand to the phrase, Todd, man. He can speak out once in a while. He can rub people the wrong way. You either love him or you hate him, but he's got big kahunas. Now, the Mets placed Frazier on the Sabreless on May 8th after he suffered the first hamstring of his career. Frazier was active from the Sabreless on June 5th after appearing in three rehab games with the AAA Las Vegas 51s. He was placed on the Sabreless on July 9th for the second time in the season with a ribcage injury. He finished the season hitting 213 for the second straight season with 18 homers and 59 RBIs. Frazier was placed on the injured list to begin the 2019 season with an oblique strain. On September 6, 2019, the Todd Father recorded his 1,000 hit, a third-inning single of Zach Elfin of the Philadelphia Phillies at City Field. Now, after the 2019, the Todd Father signed a one-year deal with the Rangers in 31 games for Texas in 2020. Frazier slashed 241, 322, 380 with two homers and seven RBIs and 108 bats. But guess who came back to Flushing by the Bay? Yes, the Todd Father. On August 31, 2020, the Rangers traded Frazier to the Mets in exchange for a player to be named later, who on December 18th was named Ryder Ryan. On September 18th, 2020, he made his major league pitching debut. He threw a scoreless inning against the Atlanta Braves. Now, offensively, Frazier finished the 2020 season hitting 236, 302, 382 with four homers and 12 RPIs over 45 games between the Rangers and the Mets. On October 28th, the Mets declined Frazier's option for the 21 season 
and he became a free agent. And in February 19, 2021, he signed a minor league contract with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And by the way, for those of you wondering, uh, Ryder Ryan, who I mentioned in that transaction for Todd Frazier, is actually the son of Nolan Ryan. So, a uh, little trivia for you. And the last person who has a birthday and we want to acknowledge is Tim Redding. Now, Tim Redding uh, came to the Mets later on in his career. He wasn't here that long. Uh, but the Mets were his last stop in his major league career, which ended in, began in 2001. So, in 2009... Uh, he was with the Mets, and he had a 3-6 and six record with a 5.10 ERA, 120 innings pitched. Uh, that was his only season with the Mets. But he did sign a one-year $2.25 million deal with the Mets before the season. And I don't know if you guys remember this. He was actually candidate to be the fifth starter. Now, he struggled in the games that he pitched in and during the middle of spring training. And he was shut down due to shoulder fatigue. It was speculated that his shoulder fatigue was caused by his own error. Redding had off-season foot surgery and had been rushing back to make sure he had a secured spot in the opening day rotation. Tim made his first start of the 2009 season on May 18th against the Dodgers and allowed two earned runs over six innings. He was non-tendered by the Mets the following season. And in the off-season, he did sign a minor league contract with the Colorado Rockies. Okay, Met fans, as always, it's time for Met Trivia and Jeopardy. The first trivia question of the day is, which Met serving as a pinch runner scored the winning run in the 10th inning of Game 4 of the 1969 World Series? Our second clue is for Jeopardy now. I mean, our first and second clue for Jeopardy will be, word number 50 is a Met. Traded with Scott Strickland and Philip Siebel by the Montreal Expos to the New York Mets in exchange for Bruce Chen, Dickie Gonzalez, and Louis Figueroa on April 5th, 2002. Think you guys got it? Got one of them? Two of them? Lock in your answers. We'll be back at the end of this podcast to tell you how you did. Well, what's going on? This is the part where we talk about what's going on in the greatest Mets Facebook group there is. New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member, please do subscribe. We're on Facebook. Again, New York Mets, a way of life. And we're also on Twitter now. Just hit up, hit me up at 8th at Phil Stan, P-H-I-L-S-T-A-N. It's also called New York Mets Baseball Way of Life, the Twitter account. And not only stuff from the group is going to be there, but stuff from other Mets sources, blogs, podcasts, whatever. We're an equal opportunity uh, promoter of the New York Mets, so check it out. Join Twitter. And uh, we'll also be uploading this podcast there daily, too. So what's going on in the group? As always, a lot. Like I said, we are the best group out there. Pat Ragazzo shared a link, and he's a great article. He's a great writer for SI.com. And his feature today was with the University of DHA officially coming to the major leagues. Find out what it means for the Mets. So I gave you my take on that. Let's see what Pat has to say on that. So I'm interested. I read it. I won't give out any details, but it's a fun read. Now, 
30 years ago. Can you believe it? It's been 30 years ago since Keith Hernandez appeared on an episode of Seinfeld. Yes, Kramer and Newman accused Keith of sitting on them, spitting on them after a Met game, but find out that Roger McDowell is behind the magic loogie. Great moment in Met and TV history. Unfortunately, on this date in 2016, after testing positive for PEDs for the third time, Andre Mejia is permanently suspended by MLB. That is sad. You hate to see when something like that happens. And I mentioned Howie Rose's tweet the other day, and here's what the exact tweet said about the Universal DH. Howie says, it's time for the Universal DH because pitchers, pitchers seldom get more than two plate appearances per game. Or if you bunt or can bunt anymore. Injury risk running bases, bigger pitching staffs equal shorter benches, less flexibility for managers. Nobody pays to see a double switch. It's time. So Howie is pretty uh, blunt about it, what he has to say sometimes. And it was good to see him express his feeling. And I said, if you could pick one, only one of these to be your Mets center fielder, Mookie Wilson or Lenny Dykstra. Who would you pick? Michael J. Collins said Nails. David E. Diaz said Mookie. Harvey Porter said Lenny. Dave Phillips said number four, Lenny. Robert, Robert Armato, very tough choice. Nails the wire. Ciro Grassi, Mookie. Christopher Let's Go Mets said Mookie. Now, to me, Mookie was the more of a team player. But if you're going by numbers, I'd have to pick. I would have to pick Lenny. Uh, he just had much more talent. But you can't go wrong with either one. So, again, those are some of the things we were talking about. Uh, so, again, if you're not a member of the group, please join. And I give you some of the examples of the uh, tweets we've been doing. You guys want to hear some of the tweets we've been putting out there? Just not ours, but others too. So... Let's cue that up. The tweets. Rising Apple, a great blog spot. If you haven't seen it yet, it's at Rising Apple Blog on uh, Twitter. Came out and said Travis Blankenhorn is one of the many top prospect uh, many top prospect lists for the Mets. Is he someone we should have high hopes for? Check it out. It's in the Rising Apple. And then the Rising Apple also mentioned that. There is a record that Felix Mion has as a Met that will never be broken. wonder what that is. You'd have to check that out. Uh, and then Matthew Brownstein says, Todd Freischer, birthday boy, 36 today, owns a 0.0 ERA after pitching a scoreless inning, as we mentioned before, against the Atlanta Braves on September 18th, 2020. Gotta love the time. He's just one of those guys you'll never forget. Like sometimes you say, did he play for the Mets? But we'll always remember the Todd father. Uh, but again, we tweet everything. Anything that's going on with the seven line, uh, we're there for you. So we're just here to promote the Mets. Seven line came up with a good line. Small potatoes for them, but fans have collectively spent millions of dollars to hit spring training for two weeks. Get it done. Amen, Seven Line, and Darren Meenan. Uh, and Rising Apple had another good one. It said Max Scherzer has been with the Mets almost as long as he's been with the Dodgers. So, and Rising Apple, good, yeah, I'm calling them out here today, but this is just one of many, and we'll feature others too. 
but they have a good article on how Thomas Zabuki is a 2022 make-or-break candidate. I love Zabuki. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry he got hurt, but I, I thought he would be a, one of the top five starters on the big league ball club by now. But injuries, unfortunately, have set him back. So, but never giving up. Never giving up. And Mets Rewind mentioned yesterday that on February 11, 2010, the Mets signed free agent pitcher Isanori Takahashi. Who remembers him? Okay, now we're going back to our Jeopardy and Trivia question. First, we're going to do the trivia question. Great moment in Met history. Serving as a pinch runner, who scored the winning run in the 10th inning of Game 4 of the 1969 World Series? Well, the correct answer is Rod Gaspar. Congrats to Dave Phillip on being the first to submit the correct answer. Now our Met Jeopardy question. Two clues. War number 50 is a Met. Traded with Scott Strickland and Philip C. Bell by the Montreal Expos to New York Mets in exchange for Bruce Chen, Dickie Gonzalez, and Louis Figueroa on April 5th, 2002. The correct response to that one is, who is Matt Watson? You're a good Met fan if you know the answer to that one. You know who's a good Met fan? The one who responded first to this question, or first gave us a response. That is Kareem Hayward. Congrats, Kareem. Now, again, every day we have these trivia and Jeopardy questions, so tune back. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. So that's going to wrap it up for today. As always, I enjoyed it very much. Beautiful day out there. Almost like opening day weather, but then I hear it's going to get cold as anything tonight. So let's hang in there, folks. Even if it's cold for the next couple days, we still have, we still have baseball on the horizon. Yes, there will be no more lockouts soon. I guarantee it. And soon we will be singing Meet the Mets at X City Field. So enjoy the day. We'll be back soon, maybe tomorrow with another podcast. Again, thank you for your patronage. It means so much to me. And as always, let's go Mets and talk soon.